from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction of any kind or those searching for a better way to live. Rich and Susan Collenberg found freedom from drug addiction and alcoholism over two decades ago. In the series, The Temple of the Mind, they examine the Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, and other Bible passages to show how God uses His Holy Word in the events and trials of life to prepare hearts and minds to be the temple of His Holy Spirit. Take every thought captive now on Freedom to Choose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And we would like to welcome you once again to Freedom to Choose and our series, The Temple of the Mind. And we are on program number 21. And the title of the program for this time is Be Ye Therefore Perfect. Does that resonate with you, Susan, that title? Does it resonate with yeah, me? Yeah, be ye therefore. We're going to dig into it. You yes, know what I mean? We're yes. going to dig into what that really means and uh, hopefully set everyone's mind at ease a little bit. Um, Susan, before we get going, would you open with a word of prayer, please? Yes, our loving Father in heaven, we are grateful that um, you call us to be perfect. You call us to rise above our human nature and to lean on you that you may... Uh, give us your spiritual nature and that our our human nature can be set aside so that your heart of love is actually coming from with us and shining to other people. And so we just pray right now that you will help us to understand more of your plan for our lives and for the lives of of everybody listening. And um, once again, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Susan. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, as we get started on this, of course, the Bible text that we are going to reference today is Matthew 5, 48, and the Bible text is, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And, of course, the word therefore implies a conclusion, an inference in what has gone before. And Jesus had been describing to his hearers the unfailing mercy and love of God previously, and he, in that context, he bids them to be perfect. And then... So I think that when... I, th- I think that a lot of times, um, maybe I read Scripture and I don't read it in the context of that bigger picture or mm-hmm. even of the whole big picture of what the message of what God is trying to communicate to me. And so my human nature comes in and says, be ye perfect. You're never going to be perfect. What do you mean perfect? It's impossible. So I'm glad you brought it up because what I want to do is kind of like dive into that word perfect off the get-go. So we look through that lens the rest of the the rest of the program. Okay. Because perfect, biblical perfection is mm-hmm. simply maturity as we mature. Now, are there different levels of maturity? And you talked about when we were going over the program, you talked about something in the garden. Um, oh, that's right. We, we talked about um, 
so sometimes I have an, a great nephew or a great niece that helps me in my vegetable garden or in my flower um, cornucopia of, of space where we live. And um, sometimes I cringe because um, they, they're coming to help me, to help auntie, and then I, I instruct them on what needs to be done. But sometimes they'll make a, um, they'll choose a plant to help if we're weeding to weed or they'll pick a piece of fruit because we're picking fruit, but it won't be ripe. Or right? the, or the, or, the, or they pick a plant as opposed to a weed. And they run up to you and say, look, and I'm doing a great job. So basically, is it not yet, is it not the motive of his desire to please you? over actually what he's physically accomplishing. Right. So I think it's the uh, right it's the desire and the heart motive. Precisely. To do something for me and to please me and to um um to be in activity with me. Yeah, right? biblical for perfection is not about keeping the rules right. It's what is what is your motive in in what you're doing it for? I mean you know, many times I've cooked a meal for Susan. It has not been too red hot, but I wanted it to be, and I did the best I could. Right. And and this is what, um, you know, basically Bible perfection is a teachable spirit. Right. It's so, the willingness to want to mature. Right. And so I think what, for me, what happens in my relationship with God and when I'm, I'm trying to grow in God, I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. I want to... I want to, you know, my human nature is driving me to be acceptable to God. And if I do everything right, then he'll accept me. And I I have a misconception and a misunderstanding of what God's desire is for my life. Because you're already accepted. Exactly. And so, but it seems as though, um, you know, especially when you hear this word perfect, like God desires to have you know, to, to be the perfect, not robot, but, Yeah, yeah, you know, everybody in yeah. the same clothes, eating the same food, doing the same thing, acting the same way. Just using the, the same terms Yeah, and no, else, we're right? all, we're all individuals with individual um, talents, individual personal desires in the ways we want to please God. Most of us are very immature and don't realize it. Right. And all God wants is a teachable spirit. Mm-hmm. That's all he wants. I know, um, w- remember we've talked many times about your tomatoes. You, right now we looked under the tomato plants and we saw a, a bunch of green tomatoes. Right. They're perfect right. in their stage of growth. Are they ripe? No. No, they're not ready to be picked. They're not ready to be picked. They're perfect Right. in their stage of growth. Right. And so this is what biblical perfection is. It's, it's just simply God and a human being getting together and God understanding how merciful, or the human being understanding how merciful God is, and that, you know, the goodness of God, the kindness of God draws us to repentance, and as we're convicted, we repent, and we're do, we participate, we cooperate with God. In the development of our character. In the development of our character. That's why this this program is called the Temple of the Mind. Uh God wants to heal our minds, make us well, I remember when I got clean and sober, it was like I had this bag of garbage Mm -hmm. that I was dragging around. It was right when I first got clean. I had so much to clean up, and this bag of garbage was so heavy. But as I cooperated with biblical principles, I started pulling garbage out of that bag and giving it to God. 
Right. And it went away. You know, did I, I had to go ask for, for, uh, forgiveness with this person. I had to restore this relationship. I had to, uh, take care of these old bills. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to cooperate in cleaning up my mess. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, that bag got lighter and lighter. That's free. That's true biblical freedom. Right. It kind of gets in there and, and does a clean sweep of all the old cobwebs that have developed over the years. Yeah, right? yeah. And that's why we got to let them into every room of our temple, of mm-hmm. our mind. Mm-hmm. Every room. Right. Because you're only as sick as your secrets. Right. And there are a lot of rooms up in my head that I'm kind of reluctant to open that door, you know, and you, and that's why we can't judge other people right. is because there's a lot of people that got that they have their, their, their defense mechanism is to keep those doors closed. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, maybe they don't follow through with a lot of the stuff that we want them to follow through. Well, God's working on another door. Well, and see, I think that's the thing. I think that we can um, misperceive or misunderstand that context of what the perfection means because I think in reality, we will always be attaining to the next step. You know, Mm -hmm. we will, you know, and I think that will be on through eternity as well because none of us can approach God in our human, you know what I mean? Nobody, nobody can, can, can oh, become like God. Well, if he's got an infinitely perfect character, how long is it going to take to pro- approach infinity? Yeah, forever. Forever. Right. It is that teachable spirit, that willingness. To learn. To learn. The willingness to say I'm wrong. To be that thief on the cross and look and say, I want to be with you in your kingdom. Mm-hmm. I like what I see. I like what you just did. You just mm-hmm. forgave those people. Right. I liked I, what I heard about you did with that woman that was thrown down in adultery. Right. I like that. Right. I like when you were given the entire universe and you knelt down and washed a dozen pair of right. dirty feet. I like that. Or to be like Paul, who based his whole life on keeping the law and making sure that he was within all of the the expectations of the church and then being willing to say, wow, I just got knocked off my horse and I've got to change everything regardless of, of what it happens. That's God is calling me to let go of all those old ways because those old ways aren't salvation. Yeah. And that's what God is. God is trying to heal us with that. You know, salvation is healing. And so he's trying to, to help us to heal us, to get us to a place where we can partake and be a part of his ministry in mm-hmm. reaching other people. Yeah, because you think about what changed about Paul. Did he still read his Bible? Yes. Did he still go to the temple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. He did. He, you know, still claim to love God. Mm-hmm. You know, did he still eat a, a, a Jewish diet? Yes. What changed about him was the lens he now looked through. Right. The one that said my way or the highway and drug children and women out of their homes, possibly to their death, now writes. Love is the answer, and let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. It's a different lens mm-hmm. when you look at, at God that way, and you look at the Bible, and look so perf- So this in this context, it's the mercy and the love of God that we look at perfection. Right, and so I think a lot of times people will look at that verse, and they'll 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 feel like they can never measure up. And I think that you know, there's many times that. Um, 
that we may experience discouragement, but God's desire is not to beat us up. God's desire is to always lift us up, even though in our humanity we may feel you know, that we're not good enough and things like that. That doesn't come from God. God's desire is is about um, building up, not knocking down. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that's another um, uh, principle to um, hold on to as we walk through this Christian life because, you know, it can be discouraging when you when you come to the true nature of who you are inside. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That can that can be very discouraging. God wants to reveal the places that we need to be healed, but He also doesn't leave us there. He He brings us up to the next step in order to develop our character, and, not to okay. not to slam down who we are as people. I like that. Okay, because you I'm jotting stuff down as your as your because we have two definitions of sin in mm-hmm. the Bible: mm-hmm. the transgression of the law. Right. But if we look at it that way only, we're in big trouble. Because now we're looking at the do's and the don'ts. But there's also that text that says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So when we neglect the privilege of developing, like you said, developing Mm -hmm. and building up other people and doing for, when we neglect that, I don't want to say privilege anymore, I want to say that duty. Right. Then we're not growing and we're not helping other people to grow. That is also a definition of sin. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is sin. Right. So, so that's an unteachable spirit. Right. 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 This is all God asks: is just give me a teachable spirit, give me some clay I can work with. And and I think sometimes you know we can get discouraged and we can say, well, God, there's just no, you know, I just can't change and things aren't working out. And God is saying, I had somebody reach out to me with an email and they said, you know, I just feel like. Um, like I'm not doing the Lord's will in my life and and like the Holy Spirit has gone away. But the reality is, is you wouldn't be thinking along those lines if God wasn't still wasn't prompting in you. your life. That's right. right. Because the the lack of participation in, in our relationship with God is is um not our destiny. It's it can be a prompting to but it's bring that- us process exactly it's in that process it's just like the apple tree right the apple tree or i want to go one step further yeah the apple i got that written down too but the the apple tree yeah that that little apple or your green tomato is perfect in that stage of growth but let's go back because we've talked about this in a previous program what happens if you break your arm right then you go to the doctor the doctor sets it you may have to if you, if you go to the emergency, they're going to set it once and give you a temp cast, and you're going to go back in a couple of days. They're going to reset it, right? Rebreak maybe, it. Maybe, yeah, set rebreak it, it yep. set it, maybe put some screws in it, whatnot. So you got a lot going on there. Now, you don't call the doctor up and say, i got to play tennis this week. This thing needs to be healed by this Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's going to take what it takes. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with us. Right. As long as you do, with your broken arm, the therapy, keep it in the cast for so long, go in to see the doctor, do the therapy, do what the doctor says, your arm is going to heal fine. It's the same thing with biblical principles and being teachable. As long as we do what the doctor says. As we're participating. As we're participating in our healing. Right, because if you don't go to the doctor to get your arm fixed, then you've got a real can of worms that you're opened up. You could potentially. And, and, and that's the same with God. Yeah, and both options are going to be painful because once something is broken, 
There are no pain-free options. Right. You don't go to the doctor. Your arm doesn't heal right. Uh, you have all kinds of mechanical problems, possibly even an infection. Who knows? You go to the doctor. He's got to reset it. If that's painful, the therapy's painful, the cast is itchy. So no matter what you do, once something is broken, there's no pain-free option. This planet is broken. Exactly. There are no pain-free options exactly. on this planet. Right. And this is what uh, we now as a society are looking for all the pain-free options. Right. That doesn't feel good. And this doesn't feel good. And right. that's not right. And then the other thing is, is that, well, why did God allow this to happen to me? You know, we're, we look at, at to God as him being the enemy as opposed to him being the one who's going to carry us through whatever trial it is that we're experiencing. I know it's really easy for me to say as I'm not going through a major trial of cancer or a lo- loss of somebody or, you know, my but, loved one but having you cancer. Have a, you have a lot going on right now with your health, too, but yes. we're not going to talk about so, that. But. And, and the, so the thing is, is that... Um, recognizing that we do live on a dangerous planet. It's broken. It's broken, and it's not God's desire. He is not the enemy. He is the solution. And God said, he didn't say, I cursed the ground with thorns and thistles. He said, because you have rejected me, I have to pull my spirit back, and the the ground is going to bring forth thorns and thistles. When 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 the farmer looked out in the field and he said, there's wheat and there's tares, what does he say? What does God say? An enemy has done this. Right. An enemy has sowed the weeds. An enemy has made this planet dangerous, not God. Right. Because we have chosen a different leader, and we've gone down that road. He is the prince of this world, but if we believe in Jesus, the prince of this world has been cast down. Right, and I like it. I think it's—I don't know if it's in Joshua, but he says, "'Choose you this day who you, who you will serve.'" But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And I think that each one of us every day when we wake up, we need to say, who will I choose today? Who am I going to serve today? Mm -hmm. Am I going to serve self, which is opposite of God, or am I going to engage in his principles that will be healing and changing and growing, even Mm -hmm. though there's pain and anguish and death at the end of, you know? It's on both. Yeah. You hit the fork in the road, you go God's way or or your own way. Right. There's still going to be pain and misery. Right. Either way. Right. The only thing is, is you will not have, you will have peace with God. You won't have peace with the devil. Right. You have peace with God. And a lot of times, you know, we don't have necessarily the support of family or a support system to come in and to shore us up. And um, so I can see, you know, in the world today how everything is kind of being, instead of it being together, it's being ripped apart almost. It's almost like God's spirit is being rejected by so many of us that, um it's becoming an even more dangerous planet. And I, and I think that's why the text is, he that think he stand, take heed lest he fall, because we can be Christians in name only. Right. And that's, that doesn't fly. That's a, you know, if you're a Christian in name only, it's very possible that we're not listening to God, and that's not a teachable spirit. Right. Yeah. So our, our next scripture is, because, you're heavenly, because your heavenly Father is kind to, unto the unthankful, and to the evil, that's Luke 6, 35, because he has stooped to lift you up, therefore, said Jesus, you can become like him in character and stand without fault in the presence of men and angels. Yeah, because we are the dwelling place of God. So 
what is once again what is bible perfection is it to is it to um is it different for different people is there a template we must fit into remember 1 Corinthians 3:16 says do you not know you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you right the conditions of eternal life under grace are just what they were in Eden. It's about a perfect trust in God, harmony with God, conformity to the principles of his law, live, you know, allowing that law to live through you. Mm-hmm. The standard of character exhibited in the Old Testament is the same that's pre- presented in the New Testament. In every command or injunction that God gives, there is a promise, the most positive underlying the command. Yeah. That's, and and so um, I'm going to drop down in my notes here a little okay. bit. Okay. Um, because we've got about four minutes left. Okay. Um, God is love. Mm-hmm. Right? Doesn't say he's the Bible doesn't say he's loving or he is he is forgiving, but it doesn't say he is forgiveness. Right. It but he it just says he is love. God right. is love, and like rays of light from the sun, love and light and joy flow out from him to all of his creatures. It is his nature to give. His very life is the outflowing of unselfish love. God is simply saying this, to be perfect. He is saying, trust me, and I will teach you how to love. Right. So simple. Right. Trust him. You know, John 3.16, for whosoever trusts or believes, but the word there in Greek is trusts, trust and continues to trust me shall have eternal, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right. It's trust. Right. We trust him. Right. And he tells us to be perfect as he is in the same manner. We are to be centers of light and blessing to our own little circle, even if it is, even as he is to the universe. We have nothing of ourselves, but the light of his love shines upon us and through us, and we are to reflect that brightness. In his borrowed goodness, we may be perfect in our sphere, even as God is perfect in our, his sphere. You know, and and my my one of my very good friends, and he won't he won't mind if I say his name, Bob Chomi, told me something um, that I'll never forget, and I have to apply this quite often. But he simply said, "Blossom where you're planted." Right. Right. Because sometimes I wonder why I'm so blessed, and I I've been surrounded with such wonderful people, and you know, and so Bible perfection once again, be perfect in your sphere. Mm-hmm. In other words, someone needs help in your sphere, help them. Right. Someone needs to talk to you in listen. your sphere. Listen. listen. Yeah. Um. All these things in in our little you know circle, whatever you want to call it. That's what we're accountable for. And I think it's, you know, it dwell, it, it boils down to the fact, are you selfish or selfless? Selfless. If you're, if you're the children of God, you are partakers of his nature, and, and you cannot but be like him. Every child lives the life of the Father, and if you're God's child, children begotten by his Spirit, you live the life of God. In other words, we start looking through that lens. That's That's... We've talked about it before, um, about does God play favorites or, or you know, or you, we see an addict suffering in a, a, a homeless tent. Mm-hmm. 
and then we see someone flying the helicopter to the heliport, heliport in their mansion. Mm-hmm. They're both God's children. Right. They both have struggles. Right. They're totally different struggles, but they both have struggles and they both need and, God. And they're both a child of they're God. They're both a child of God. Right. And so we cannot group, we cannot class, we cannot segregate, we can't, we can't do that. God doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Jews and Gentiles. Right. Man or woman. Doesn't matter. Nicodemus or the Samaritan woman. Right. The woman thrown down in adultery. They're all the leper. The leper. They all get a hug from Jesus. They're all God's children. And that's what Jesus came to show us. And so um, once again, it's the it's the lens we look through, right. you know. We're gonna have to wrap it up. You can give us a call at 916-645-1297 and we can send resources out. And you can go to our website as well, which they'll tell us after the program. And we have all these programs there. Remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you for listening to the Temple of the Mind on Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.